Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, all right, hey, welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and today we are burning the phone lines down to get out to California. I have Nikki O'Neill, and she is a musician. Uh, she has several different projects. She's a singer-songwriter. And so, Nikki, how's it going? It's good. Right now, I'm just sitting with a couple of uh, sheets of music in front of me. I, I teach guitar also, so I'm going to see my guitar students, as I usually do on Sundays, and so uh, I'm taking some of my teen students, I'm kind of uh, doing this little project that's like about different eras of music, Okay. so I get them hip to you know, different um, things, like with rock guitar from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, onward, until it's like there era and uh, oh, we cool. talk about their favorite bands and then maybe who influenced them and check out some songs and and so they can hear the common threads so if they uh, if you have like a song by say panic at the disco well maybe well let's check out david bowie also and mm-hmm. you can hear the the influences mm-hmm. right yeah so yeah so that's what i'm doing right now that's interesting i had a guitar teacher i've had two the first one i had I was 15, and it was like, I guess, real traditional, maybe. I'm not sure what traditional would look like. But he was trying to just teach me how to read music. Yeah. And I wasn't for that. I wanted to rock. Yeah. And um, I eventually... That, down, I've got teachers like that, too. <laughs> and I found a guy years later, after I just was, you know, going the self-taught route, who was, he was down to teach me that way, but he wanted to teach theory and uh, scales, and he wanted to teach me, you know, the actual guitar as well. But that's, yeah. that was his approach, and so he's day one. So who's your favorite bands or favorite artists, and, you know, who's your influence? Why do you want to play? And then, like, that's where he started. Well, let's let's find out where they were influenced and start there. So that's interesting you're doing that. Yeah, I, I think uh, and it's, sure, it's important to know, to have the foundation. But I guess it also depends, you know, when you're teaching teenagers or adults, they're more like they have opinions of what kind of music they like and and maybe you know not everybody is going to be aspiring to be a professional musician or so maybe they just want to you know pick up a guitar and, and just have fun and right. be able to you know strum some songs so then you know if they want to learn how to read music great i'll i'll show them that but otherwise i, I like to ask you know what interests them and because mm-hmm. that's going to motivate them to practice yeah. Um, otherwise, you're just, I don't know, wasting their time and, and your time, too. Yeah. So, yeah. So teaching is kind of part of what I do. 
I, I enjoy doing that besides and, writing songs and you know creating music right and so just growing up when did music become part of your life as far as like playing and oh wow it's incredibly eclectic uh, so my family is very diverse uh, culturally so I, I was born in the US and my mom is from Poland Okay. And then she married a second husband, not my dad, but a second husband who was Swedish. And so we moved out to Sweden when I was seven years old. And and then we were there in, in Stockholm, the capital. And I've like just vivid memories of our weekends because uh, none of them studied music or took any lessons i i know my mom wanted to be a singer i think my grandmother wanted to play guitar but but yeah nobody took lessons but they loved listening to music so every morning i'd hear them like they'd grab a a radio and they try to like move the antenna around mm-hmm. and until they hit a radio station in poland <laughs> that would play chopin and like all this classical music. Mm-hmm. So that was going around the house and then they would play like old Polish cabaret songs from the thirties or pop music from the sixties, like Poland's version of the ventures or like these instrumental kind of <laughs> surfish bands. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, my mom was also, you know, she was pretty young when she got me. So she was into, you know, a lot of the seventies music that, you know, uh, like, Al Green and Santana so a lot of like groove based kind of yeah soul R&B yeah Santana being that Latin rock okay so and just looking at your uh your bio I, I kind of see that now because you have the soul R&B when I was looking through your music and the way it's described and some of the write-ups like the influence yeah I, I mean Al Green is like you know, I jokingly call him as like my house deity. <laughs> I mean, Al Green and Aretha Franklin, that's like my favorite music. I like a lot of different stuff. I mean, when I was a teenager, I had a hard rock phase. Mm-hmm. So, you know, listen to Deep Purple and Kiss and <laughs> Led Zeppelin and, and all that stuff. So yeah. it's there in me too. Like a lot of that classic rock I, I love, like, you know, loud guitars and and stuff like that but you know i'll listen to jazz uh coltrane and uh wc and but yeah soul music that's probably the thing that's like nearest and dearest to me okay so like staple singers i like that there's yeah that that's like my favorite protest singers yeah because they kind of have a message but it's like with a great groove and uh, amazing singing and so yeah so while well, how long were you in Sweden until you got back to the States oh, okay so yeah so I, I came to Sweden when I was seven and I was there till I was almost 27 okay and yeah what wanted me to go back was I, I was curious about America and what it would be like to live there and i had thoughts of maybe you know attending a music college or something but most of all i think what was pulling me was i was really into a lot of the soul music and like funk and um r&b and prince was like a huge influence mm-hmm. for me and i wanted to go back to where that music originated yeah and there are those kind of bands in Sweden, but 
personally, I, I just felt a need to go back mm-hmm. and reconnect with you know where I was from and from and to see what that was like, which was yeah not as easy as I thought. Okay, and so while you so were, I've been away for so long. So while in Sweden, like, um, is that when you started playing music? Is that when you picked up the guitar or an instrument? I did. Yeah, I uh, I'd wanted to play guitar. Uh, you know, ever since I was 10, I'd, I'd hear uh, boys in school and they would like sit in the break room and they'd play their like albums that they bought of, of Motley Crue or Kiss or yeah. usually some kind of hard rock. And, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's like they're doing fun things. Mm-hmm. So I was always more drawn to, to that, to music. And, and, and the guys seemed to be much more into that than the girls at school. And I also found that many of them would take guitar lessons. And mm-hmm. in Sweden, I don't know if it is like that anymore, but they used to have subsidized music lessons. So the state would kind of fund, you know, make these lessons really cheap so mm-hmm. everybody could do it. And I wanted a guitar, uh, but it took me six years. It, it took me to my 16th birthday. I was like just begging to get a guitar, and then when I finally got one, then I locked myself up in my room and you know skipped meals and was just practicing and playing cassette tapes and you know trying to figure out what's this Prince song, what is he doing there? <laughs> so that's kind of how the seed was planted, and and then after that, then I attended a high school that had a lot of music. They had like 17 hours of music, so it was like music theory, ear training, choir, history music history and and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so it got really like intense i was very immersed in that but it was it was kind of uh with a very strong focus on jazz and classical music and i wasn't really into that as much i mean i was into rock but there was kind of a snob snobbery going on (laughs) yeah Uh, snobbish attitude like oh rock that's just not as good as jazz so right. everybody was kind of very much in that mindset, and I think that's typical of a lot of music schools. That it's like, oh no, jazz is like the only way. That's like the only good music, and, and and it was extremely competitive too. So a lot of my classmates, they were already semi-professional musicians, and they're like, you know, sixteen years old. So it took a while to find the love for music again. So it was like after that high school when I left and just got into playing in bands. And I played in a funk band, and the guys introduced me to Sly Stone and George Clinton, Parliament Mm -hmm. Funkadelic, and we were all kind of Rabbit Prince fans, listened obsessively to every crazy, weird B-side of singles, and (laughs) and like, listen to that mix, and you hear that tambourine way, way in the back. So, but, but that like kind of ignited the love for music again. And then after that, then yeah, I played in a bunch of different bands, and wrote songs and and stuff like that but it was very um it wasn't a very straight and smooth path Mm -hmm. so it took it took a long time before i found the i i guess i'd say self-discipline and kind of a consistency you like find a, a vision and a sound and you stick with it no matter what no matter if people are quitting your project or you know, or somebody falls in love with you, or, yeah. or any of those kind of dynamics in the band, or yeah. or I fall in love with a musician in the band. You know, the other way around, right. like anything that you know, a- anything that could sway you 
uh, or inner insecurities and, and stuff like that. It just took a long time before stuff came together. Mm-hmm. And so getting over here to the States, um, did you, you re-entered into a, a college to study music when you got here? Uh, I did it eventually. At first, I just came, uh, I moved to New York City and didn't have much money. I pawned a couple of my guitars and I thought, okay, now I have enough money to, you know, stay in New York. And that money disappeared, like, you know, after three or four weeks. <laughs> it was like, you know, the bills, rent in New York and, and all that was, you know, sky high. And I wasn't prepared. I was kind of naive. So, uh, I took all kinds of different odd jobs. So I worked at like music stores. I worked at a recording studio, Electric Lady Studios, which is Jimi Hendrix's, mm-hmm. you know, studio he started once. But those jobs, they they just don't pay enough for New York rent. So it was um, it was kind of stressful. And at one point, I was also a freelance writer. So I would interview artists for uh, different newspapers and radio stations in Sweden Mm -hmm. because there's so many artists that come through New York uh, and if they release an album then I I would do interviews with them and that was kind of fun but yeah it was just it's kind of a stressful time and I played in some bands there as well and and then I decided to study music and finish up a degree and I mean, you don't have to attend school to be a musician. I mean, there's so many legendary songwriters and musicians who never did that. Mm-hmm. I think it's this is a schools are a phenomenon of today, and it also schools provide jobs for musicians. <laughs> they right. you know, they find a place to teach and stuff. Mm-hmm. But for me, I always liked learning and. I, you know, realized eventually that I had, you know, I was interested in teaching myself and it, it just felt like it was a good place to be and stuff came together and, you know, made friends and sometimes it's tough. You move to a new country or move to a new city and you're starting from scratch Yeah, and nobody knows your history and it can be pretty daunting and it takes a long time to make friends. So school was a good way to do that. So you have at least a common ground. Right. You got this uh, commonality. Yeah. And it also helped me focus because, yeah, there's like all you're focusing on is like studying music. And and of course, there there was, you know, the reality of paying bills and stuff. But I don't know. It was like just spending time, like kind of developing the. Yeah, having the discipline, like you're showing up to lessons, and music's very much at the forefront of your life, and I needed that, so mm-hmm. it was worth it, even though the student loans were crazy high. Yeah, but, I know a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like many of us do. And so when you was going out with the band and started playing around, how long was it until you began to write your own material? Were y'all doing a lot of Prince covers and things like that at the beginning? Now, you know what? I uh, always wrote my material. So learning covers was kind of a new thing for me. Okay. So so I was always into more interested in writing songs. Mm-hmm. That's been with me even since before I got a guitar. I was even as a kid, I'd like make up silly song or, you know, comment on some family member, 
or grown-ups and make up a song about them. So I think that's been with me a lot longer. But much later in life, I would do cover bands and, yeah, you'd play these like three sets at a bar and, and learn lots of covers and yeah. so good schooling. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. What little bit I've played out at bars and things like that is playing your own material. Is a, it's a lot of fun. And if it's the right, I guess, environments where people will listen, because most people, when they go out to hear live music, they want to hear something that they know. Exactly. But uh, think, if, you're, yeah. if you're an artist or a musician, you want to play your music and you want them to get to know your music. And so it was always kind of hard to. I, I never liked to cover. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a balancing act because I remember getting into playing covers. I knew it's necessary. It's like you're especially when you're you know, if you're playing live and you're new at it, it's it's a good way to, you know, learn how to interact with a crowd and get them going. It's also a good thing to, like for your playing uh, just all sorts of stuff, and it, it takes a long time to develop uh, a fan base. Yeah, and, and to the, the confidence, and you know that you're performing the songs that you don't look stiff and uncomfortable on stage. So doing covers, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of benefits that come with it. But sure, it, like if you want to do your own material, you have to you have to pick the venues. Mm-hmm. where people are more more open to that yeah so nowadays i play a lot more i i we don't do the three hour or four hour bar gigs anymore because i want to focus on just developing my own material and and we'll do a couple of covers because it's tough for people to hear lots of unfamiliar music for a whole hour you know mm-hmm. it's Good to you know help them out a little bit and do an interesting cover or something. Uh, also, they'll hear kind of where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. your influences and stuff. But yeah, it, I've, I found it's it's like a, such a balancing act because I've played cover bands. I even played a couple of tributes. And yeah, the, if it's a good tribute band, I know these people can make a decent amount of money. Definitely more than you know somebody who plays original material but i find that when you do something you're going to get more of it so you need to be mindful of it because I, I noticed when i played in cover bands and tributes then i'd get more requests from other tribute bands like hey uh we need a guitar player can you do this and then suddenly you're going to find yourself doing a lot of cover gigs and tribute gigs mm-hmm. so if that's what you want then great but i always knew i i want to write songs and i know it's going to take time to you know to get good yeah and if you're playing you know predominantly cover gig where people are expecting that that kind of you know to hear stuff they're familiar with you might want to like just sneak in a couple of originals and don't even say that now we're going to play an original yeah just play Uh, it because people will just run to the bathroom or you know they'll tune out but just play it and see how people respond to it yeah i have found that and again, this takes time, like to write really good songs. I find that if, if you have that, then people will give you a chance. But if you're on the other hand, if you're a fantastic singer or instrumentalist, that's great. It captures people's attention. But if it's like five, six songs in and the songs are not quite that good, people start to tune out mm-hmm. as well. They're like, man, I wish the, you know the material was better. But 
Yeah, if you have really good songs, I, I don't know. Our experience has been that you know people have never heard us, and they'll come up and like, wow, you know, they'll buy CDs or sign on to the mailing list, and I do the same thing. I might, you know, might be an artist I've never heard of before, but if the songs are good, I'll be happy to sign that mailing list. And so for me, it feels like that's such a priority. Mm-hmm. Like, learn how to write good songs, and if you can't, because I mean, it's not just something you do automatically. Then try to team up with people who do. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, you know, good with the music but not so good with lyrics, then try to you know find a lyric partner mm-hmm. and i know it's not easy to write songs with others i i think it's really hard but um but that's been like a huge priority for me mm-hmm. and so just to talk about what you have going on now out in los angeles and so well, um yeah so uh i am working on my third record so i had uh one record with a band that was kind of like a, a trio we were yeah there was a, at the time when we did like these different bar gigs and stuff so very, very different kind of band and then i released an album in 2017 called love will lead you home mm-hmm. and uh that's kind of more americana but with a lot of soul influences a lot of like staple singers kind of vibe and i did uh, so that was in 2017 i did that album and then in 2018, I did uh, release two singles. And then I found, I put together a, a live band. And the chemistry is so good that I thought, well, these guys need to be on the record too. And so so we're working on that. So we've just started r- recording some of the stuff. And I'm still writing material for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm planning for it to come out this fall, probably sometime October. Great. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I'm playing different shows in L.A., and it's, you know, the and everything from, like, listening rooms where you can play original music. People kind of expect that. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, um, yeah, maybe more regular clubs and, and also some, like, blues clubs and Americana kind of clubs. Yeah. So it's that kind of mix. Yeah, I was looking at your page and just kind of seeing some of the things that you've done over the past few months, and it really is. It's kind of all over the place. It's, yeah. It's really, it's really interesting, all the all the places you're getting into. And I, I, well, I, was, yeah. cu- I was curious. I was like, how does how does all that work? These are so different places. Does she play the same uh, – does she play her st- same music? Or is she got different, I guess, sets yeah. for each place? No. or so I, because my music is not all over the map. I, I it used to be, but I, I feel like there there is a direction to the music. I, I call it like soul influenced Americana. So it's more soul influences than country. And so with that, I kind of have a foot in a couple of different musical worlds. So I can play some of the rock venues, you know, as long as it's not like contemporary modern rock like the harder stuff right the the blues venues i can play it you know as long as people are not like total purists about it there's a lot of rhythm and blues i'll sometimes tailor the set where i'll i'll include you know for a blues venue i'll play some like memphis mini freddie king stuff like that mm-hmm. plus our own songs and it'll be kind of like a, yes 50 50 kind of set list 
and then yeah and then there's a there's a pretty good americana scene it's pretty vibrant here so yeah we do our own music and and i have like a couple of songs that have a slight slight kind of country twang to it but i would definitely not call it country and uh yeah and there's and i'll I'll never say that we're a jam band we're a lot more song focused but live we tend to stretch out the songs more so so even if like the songs have specific parts and hooks that we all play there's solo sections or the end of the song we might do it differently live just to give people a surprise and not to get bored ourselves it just keeps everything more alive Mm -hmm. uh and uh so the guys in the band a lot of them have more of like a a grateful dad jerry garcia background they've played a lot of bands like that so Mm -hmm. they're great at improvising so they can kind of take the songs to new places and and so we've yeah collaborated with a couple of people that are from that world so, yeah, <laughs> yes, it's, it's good. It, it, it's good because it doesn't, you know, limit us to just a certain type types of venues. Yeah, yeah. Just here in Alabama and Mississippi, and some of the places I go to, it's grown a lot over the years. I would say, as like as far as the, like the different genres and styles that we've been bringing in to say Tuscaloosa or Columbus. What what instrument do you do you play? You play in band uh, band yourself right now, or I have uh, I had a two piece band. That's probably my most recent. That's been two three years ago. But okay, I started on guitar, and uh, that's where I'm most proficient. But uh, harmonica, bass, comfortable on those two, and then keyboard, not very comfortable at all. But like most of the things, the effects that you hear on the podcast and like the piano, uh, I, that was me, and I'm proud of proud of that, even though it's not much. But piano, piano's been a chore. But but yeah, that's about the gist of the a little bit of drums, but that's about the gist. But back to the band, the general specific, it had like um, an acoustic Taking Back Sunday. Met Manchester Orchestra, met Band of Horses vibe, and the set. It, it it was cool. It was it was a lot of fun, and it was well, well, it, and it was mainly like what you were talking about. So we had a um, it was like a fifty fifty. We had a two hour set, and so we divided it up to uh, an hour worth of covers and an hour worth of our music. Okay. And we done that. And since I've moved back to my hometown in Kennedy around the Tuscaloosa area, and so um, lately I, I've really focused on writing my own music and just finding, I want a band, and just finding people that I can work with and have a band with. That's what I've been really working on lately. And yeah. And so just, I've really, and, really, really been writing a lot and um, writing as many songs, great. writing as many songs as I can and sharing them here and trying to just get to get a band together. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel lucky because here in LA, a lot of people complain that it's hard to put a band together. Um, there's a lot of like hired musicians. So, you know, say you're a singer songwriter and you want a tight band, you want, you want, you know, you want it to sound really good. So a lot of times the good musicians, they're going to be playing in a lot of different bands and, and they want to get paid. Mm-hmm. So then you find yourself in a situation where you have a lot of hired guns. Yeah. And that's all right. But 
I don't know, I'm a bit of a romantic. I kind of like your band is like your gang. And, yeah, that's uh, it. And you have no camaraderie at that point because they're just paid to be there. Yeah, and and it kind of shows sometimes, even if they're like really tight and they'll know the songs and they'll sing the right harmonies and everything, then they're like on to the next thing. They're like professional at looking like they're the the playing the part and digging the music. So I I feel really blessed that I've got a band where like some people they yeah some are playing in different bands but they're doing it for fun yeah so they we all have other jobs and luckily the jobs i have i teach guitar and i'm a music editor and it's still within music and i kind of get to use my talents so that these jobs they don't like kill me they're Mm -hmm. they're not like awful Um, although of course i'd love to you know play music and just do that but yeah. but i think i you know this zigzaggy path that i was talking about that i had it was very much like it just it just took a while for me to decide no i want to do original music and i don't want anything to distract me i'm not going to take on any cover band gigs or playing in other people's bands because i know myself i'm a terrible multitasker i can't be in seven different bands because uh, I won't write any songs, mm-hmm. and so that was like the objective. And I just thought, okay, you know, I'm just you know, other my other jobs, they're gonna pay the bills, and I'm just gonna have like one, you know, outlet, and that's like writing my own material. Mm-hmm. And because I know, yeah, if I take on other stuff, there's just gonna be more of that, and yeah. then you're sent off in a direction that maybe you don't want to go in. So, yeah, and uh, and I'm like, yeah, and it's like you know, it's fine. It's like let it take time it takes time to write good songs and yeah. test them out and you you know tr- play them in front of audiences and see how they respond and but that's kind of like what i love to do and so that's what i focus on and lately like with a lot of the songwriting i've been doing like there's there's two um two ways to the song is like the songs i put here on on the podcast that i wrote that's just a bare bones. That's, uh, you know, just me and an acoustic guitar. But, like, when I write the music, I got a MIDI keyboard. And so I do, oh, okay. you know, I do the keys and a lot of the auxiliary tracks. And if there's a piano, I'll lay that. Or um, okay. I have a bass here. And so I'll put the bass on. And I'll have the, the whole, you know, the, uh, it's not bare bones anymore. It's really filled out. So, like, if I send it over to someone I'm interested in, maybe they'll play with me. Here's right. here's what I have in mind, and I tell him I was like I don't have to be the you know the guitarist I don't have to be the rhythm guitarist and the singer I was like I don't mind being the auxiliary guy, yeah, and I'm cool with that. Um, and I was like I'm just trying to find the pieces and like I don't mind if I'm not if I'm not the best rhythm guitarist or the lead guitarist for this guy for this band I I can be the bass, yeah that won't bother me I just want to play. Yeah, I think you know if you. Also, when you're like arranging the songs, that kind of gives you people an idea of, you know, what vibe you want to create, and mm-hmm. it'll be easier to find the right people too. Yeah, and that's been so the even thing. if you don't necessarily, you know, have, they don't have to play those exact parts. Mm-hmm. I know some some songwriters will be like, no, you have to play exactly the way I recorded oh, yeah. it. Yeah, I'm not that way demos. at all. <laughs> because yeah, everybody I'm, has I'm, their I'm, own influence. Exactly. And everybody will hear something a certain way. Yeah. 
And uh, I'm definitely not opposed to that. And that's that's something else. I was like, this is just uh, – I, I tried to fill it out to give you an idea what it would be like if we were all to come together to play this. And I'm not, Yeah. And I'm not saying this is the way it is. Yeah. No, it's great if you have the ability to do that. I didn't have – I, I have very basic studio skills. I mean, I can you know roughly, you know, like different mics and what compressors do and stuff, but I never, I didn't have enough money to buy, you know, gear for a recording setup. And I knew that even if I spent a lot of time doing it, I was going to be kind of mediocre at it. So I, you know, paid people to, Mm-hmm. you know, use their studio and and sometimes you know worked with somebody who's like a multi-instrumentalist so i would do all the guitar parts lead guitars and rhythm guitars and uh but they'd be you know maybe playing bass and um and keyboards and stuff like that mm-hmm. and that was how stuff came together and uh, my husband he's a drummer so he's always played drums like yeah. ever since we were together and he's he's a good drummer and it's hard to say to have that you know ob- objective view because this is my husband but he's yeah. he's an awesome drummer so i'm really lucky so so that that's kind of how my music would be put together it's like okay rich my husband and i like drums and guitars and then a co-producer who's a multi-instrumentalist would like you know help me maybe we like bounce ideas on arrangements and add keys and bass and, and record the things. And then with that, then uh, I was able to get band members. Yeah. And because they're like, oh, okay, we, yeah, we like the songs. We like, you know, the arrangements and the direction of stuff. And uh, so again, I think, you know, you have good songs, you can attract like really good musicians. And sometimes, you know, you don't have to they don't have to be hired guns yeah i just you know i share the pay from shows and stuff we split that equally but i don't have to like pay them for every rehearsal and like it's very common to do in los angeles yeah um so and and then with the band yeah luckily for me i mean then we just had a really good chemistry as a as a band so now with this next recording it's like okay all of us are in one room Mm-hmm. and recording as much of the bed tracks as possible live and then maybe there's like you know some overdubs like a solo or the lead vocal or something but and i think for the kind of music that i do that's really the best way to record if you can it's mm-hmm. like have everybody in the same room yeah that's uh but, one of the local bands here or in columbus i sat down with them i went to where they practiced and, okay. and and come to find out that's where um that's where they did their first record and they just okay. they done it right there in their practice room and they done it themselves and um, it was it's interesting to me and it, it gave I respect them a whole lot more for that. I was like it, it could have been a lot different going to a studio like you said and, but you can see how tight knit these guys are and how much they believe in each other. Yeah. And that's the way yeah, they and- that's the way they wanted to do it and it sounds it sounds fine. Yeah, and and if you can't get that situation, then that shouldn't stop you. You should still, you know, try to record your stuff and, you know, just start where you are and and get it going because if you don't, then, you know, you 
you never know who you're gonna like miss out on meeting mm-hmm. by just like putting the pause button on on stuff so uh, i think yeah i'm lucky i'm fortunate that i got a band but you know if i didn't take that initiative to write the songs and you know start with whatever i had mm-hmm. then uh i wouldn't have met them yeah. possibly so yeah and so and like now with with my music i'm thankful for this is like occasionally i'll get the phone call that a band needs uh you know a bass player or they need um, a lead guitarist for a show or and that that's really where i am right now is like i'm just i guess a hired gun <laughs> And it's the it's occasional show, and I was the phone is definitely not ringing off the hook. But it, it, I'm glad that I'm bu- fun. you know I'm building that rapport here. It's like he can be that guy if you need him to be. That that's cool. I mean, I like when I came to New York first, and then L.A. There's some amazing you know there's just like top notch you know studio musicians, and mm-hmm. even the live players like I mean, there's just a lot of like really really good musicians and often they've they've come from their hometowns or their countries and they made it in their countries and now LA or New York or Nashville is like the next stop for them Uh so I saw quickly that well there's no way that I'm gonna try to be a session guitar player and and I was fine with that it wasn't like uh oh sad rea- you know thing to realize mm-hmm. it's just like okay no i'm gonna let's see what what have i got that's um where where what's what would my specialty be and i love writing songs and i i think that's probably my strongest mm-hmm. thing so i decided to move in that direction yeah but yeah uh, yeah i think that's the thing about music or a lot of other careers specifically maybe in the arts is like after you begin cutting your teeth and you kind of start finding your own way after you get done, you know, I guess learning from your influences and I don't think you ever stop is you begin, you you begin to see your path and I don't think it's a letdown. It's like you just finally see what, what it's actually going to look like for you. Yeah. I don't think you can't be everything. Even the really like great musicians, they'll say that it's like you make decisions you make choices because you can't be everything Mm -hmm. uh there are very few people who can play like lots of different genres and do it really well and yeah i think yeah you find a direction and then you just try to be the best you that you can be Mm -hmm. it's with my singing and stuff i mean when i started out yeah, sure. I, I love people like Aretha Franklin and Shaka Khan, but then when I was going to step up to the mic and record myself, I realized there's no Aretha Franklin coming out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's Nika coming me. out. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. And at first, it was really tough because when I was writing songs, I would hear this like amazing, you know, black R&B vocalist in my head. Uh, and then, you know, reality hits, I'm in front of the mic, and it's, like, just me. And uh, it took a while before I got, you know, just kind of became friends with my voice and and accept that, okay, I'm not going to be this, like, you know, loud, belting, like, gospel singer. I don't have that kind of voice. Mm-hmm. So what have I got, and how can I make it better? And mm-hmm. what, what are my, like... Uh, 
quirks or what what's like something that sounds like me and then you try to be as good as you can at that i uh, think there's a lot of realizations <laughs> along the way yeah yeah exactly uh, i think and um finding your sound and, and when i was 18 uh with dennis mckay the guy i was telling you about earlier that was going to teach me how to rock and he did uh-huh and uh he had a um he had a studio and because I was doing lessons there, he allowed me to record there, and like I had just wrote, oh, that's good. I had just wrote three original songs, and he's like, "Let's do a, a, a three song little EP for you." And I was like, "Cool!" And oh, I remember, awesome. I remember when I got it back, I was like, "Wow, that is not what I had in my head. That's not what I sound like, but it is." Uh, you know, I was like, "I thought I was, I thought I was something different." Yeah. And, and but I mean, that was that was the first eye opener, and I was like, "Well." I know what I have now. I know I know what I can do. I know what I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, same thing with, like, the way you perform. Like, some people, they're, like, extremely extroverts. They're, you know, it's like the Paul Stanleys are like, how you doing? Uh, you know, yeah. they've got this, like, super extrovert stage show or, like, somebody like Prince. And then you have people that are more, it's much more, like, intimate venues are mm-hmm. better they're more like conversational or maybe they don't say very much at all mm-hmm. they just let the music talk and it's okay you, yeah by performing you learn right all these things about yourself and who you are and you know you, you do you do like film yourself film your performances and mm-hmm. I think it's all about become friends with who you are mm-hmm yeah, and even like figuring out your stage presence and like like you said exactly. after after seeing a few recordings of yourself is like I need to work on this and I'm I, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to change so much that, but I do I I'm, I look kind of like a statue. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had I mean I was like you know, with these tributes there there was um uh, uh I, I was in like an all female Black Sabbath tribute. And That's interesting. That. <laughs> and uh, it was it was pretty interesting. I was like, it, it was uh, my playing style is like extremely different from Tony Iommi's. So it was almost like character method acting, where I do like get in and like totally immerse myself in his style, his gear. I read his autobiography. I you know learned twenty four songs. And most of them have like two guitar solos, like one in the middle, one in the end. So it was like my life was just all like Black Sabbath for like three months or so as I was prepping for these gigs. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and these tribute band shows, yeah. So we would go out. They they booked us like Hawaii, and that was kind of an eye opener. It's like okay, wow. So these you know they pay these tribute bands fairly well. Mm-hmm that they can like fly you out to Hawaii and put you up in a hotel and stuff. They wouldn't do that for an original band. But so, sorry, that was a side thought, but you know, and then we're we're playing in front of these fans. They're intense. They're like playing air guitar. They know every lick. They're like right in front of you. (laughs) Like you better not screw up because they, they know like note for note, like what's going on in these solos and these songs. So I'm a little bit nervous because it's a lot of new material and it's a, a new band and um and i was i was a sub for another guitar player yeah. and uh so the singer 
yeah, she was she was dissatisfied. She's like, I miss my old guitar player. She was a lot more extroverted, and because the singer, she was very much like she was dressed in this like very kind of Hollywood. It's like this L.A. dominatrix like leather uh, stuff, and with the crucifix around her neck. And mm-hmm. but but it's kind of it don't, you know the look wasn't at all like it's not like the Black Sabbath like band from the seventies with like just guys with like bell bottoms and looking kind of disheveled. I mean, she had a very like kind of Hollywood look. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she wanted the guitar player to be like very extroverted. And, and I guess that person was, and, and my stage presence is not like that at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I try to be, yeah, with my band, I mean, I'll talk to the audience, I'll tell stories, but I'm a more of an introverted personality type, so I won't stand still, but I'm just, yeah, I'm definitely not the, like, metal guitarist doing all the poses yeah. and In stuff. In your face. Feels, and... If I did, it would look really stupid and awkward. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I auditioned for Courtney Love many years ago, and we had to submit a videotape. Uh, she had this, like, she was looking for a guitar player, and... Uh, there was an ad in different papers in all the English-speaking countries around the world. So she had it in England and U.S., Australia, all these places, and you submitted a videotape, and, and it said she wanted to look that was kind of goth. And I thought, well, gosh, that, that is, like, as far from me as, you know, goth is, like, the last thing that I am. Mm-hmm. But I, I sent a video, and uh, I played my own song, and then I submitted a lyric that was, like, part of some poems that I'd written it's kind of introspective with a lot of like metaphysical imagery and things like that and and I just dressed the way I dress on stage usually mm-hmm. and I got a phone call in the middle of the night like many weeks later it was like 1am and it was her and and she said I really like your song and I like your lyrics and it's just the management they love they love to see you know, could you wear more makeup can you wear more of a goth look and your guitar would like you know if you wore it really low so it's almost like you know by the knees mm-hmm. and uh could you send another videotape with like that those adjustments and i did i knew this is just not i'm a terrible actor uh, i can only be myself yeah and uh playing a guitar really low it's just uncomfortable for me yeah so uh yeah, you know, I probably you know created a video where I looked like a fish out of water, and I submitted that, and I never heard back. But but I was really happy that you know it was when I was a hundred percent myself. That's when she called me. Mm-hmm. So that was what she was interested in. But then, yeah, yeah. Well, let's go ahead. And, so, I know you got a student uh, soon. Let's go ahead and talk. I, yeah, I do. I've got some students coming in like five minutes or yeah. so. So let's uh, let's let's wrap this up. So, Nikki, what are some ways that people can connect with you and find your music? Best way is my website. So it's nikkioneil.com, N-I-K-K-I-O-N-E-I-L-L.com. And when you get there, there's music, there's live videos from the band. There's also all the ways that you could connect to my Instagram and Facebook, Bandcamp, and and YouTube and all that. So that's that's the central hub. Great. All right, Nikki. Thank you so much. And uh, oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah.
and uh, g- good luck with you know your musical projects and it's fun to hear about that yeah yeah thanks and uh, I'm I'm going to Alabama in September. I'm really excited to go to Muscle Shoals because I've never been there. Oh, that uh, that place right there. There's a recording studio there where um, I think it, it, it was it was Wild Horses where uh, Mick wrote uh, that song in the bathroom there at that studio. I wonder if that was Fame Studios. That's like the the well known one. That, mm-hmm. like, I think yeah, I think Aretha, it was classic Aretha Records. Yeah, I mean we're we're going to Nashville to Americana Fest, mm-hmm. but I'm and, and that's happening in mid September. But because we're going to be in Nashville, I you know, said to my husband, it's like my God, I gotta go to Memphis and Muscle Shoals because it's not far away from there. And no, it's not. This is like sacred grounds for me, so yeah. um, so I'm very excited about that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I had to check back in with you sometime. Then have to hear about how it went. Oh, yes. Well, all right, Nikki. Um, we're going to go ahead and shut this down. Okay. Have a good rest of your Sunday. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. News and notes. Nikki, thank you so much for sitting in with us. It was so great to hear about coming up in the U.S., moving over to Sweden, and the impact that music made the influence of the U.S. and coming back to the U.S., beginning in New York and getting over to L.A. and just the journey. Thank you so much for sharing the story. Guys, I encourage you to follow her and just check out everything that she has going on. If you are in the L.A. area, give it a shot. Just kind of keep up with what's going on, right? Something cool, something different. It's Americana. Cool. All right, also on top of that, I encourage you to uh, also look us up same emblem logo picture look us up on facebook it's porch talk on instagram it's porch underscore talk 101 you can kind of see what's been going on what's coming up next um we're firing them out as you can see two three days at a time all right far as notes go this is love will lead you home by nikki o'neill I'm getting out of here, guys. Peace out. Time rolls on like a mighty river. When your deal goes down, will you stand and deliver? If your life was a book, tell me what would it say? Would you show it to friends or would you hide it away? Love will lead you home. Love will lead you home. Everyone lives with the choices they make.
the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done